Section six of the Rise and Fall of Prohibition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise and Fall of Prohibition by Charles Hansen Town. Making the World Safe for Democracy. What psychological effect will this constant contempt for the law of the land have upon us as a people? Surely something dire and dreadful is seeping into the national spirit, and we are in grave danger of coming to a human dislike of all laws in consequence. We talk of prohibition as a good thing for the generations to come. But how about disregard for the law as it will affect our children and our children's children? drunk they might not be responsible sober to their higher selves they are accountable for their shortcomings in regard to our statutes a lack of veneration for an orderly carrying out of a mandate is a serious thing but to hear the young people talking these days about the sanctity of the eighteenth amendment is not a heartening experience they jeer at it and openly roar with laughter when it is mentioned no one wishes danger to overwhelm us but it will unless something is done to remedy the present abhorrent conditions which i repeat are making most of us unhappy we are entangled in too many legal nets and it is not pleasing and edifying to see an ex-judge or jurist who came out strong for prohibition sitting night after night in a certain restaurant imbibing his cocktail creating scandal in a more than crowded room he is not in his cups these days only in his demitasses i wonder if he knows what an example he sets to the flappers down the room and with what derision his high and mighty public utterances are now greeted whenever he opens his mouth to speak between drinks i hear men and women saying all the time america is no place to live now the streets of our large cities at night look like villages in some remote district dull dull and drab drab one more tyrannical law one shadow of that deep blue which imperils us and we will go and live abroad anywhere but here is that pleasant talk to listen to does it make one proud to be an american it is not well to have such feelings fomenting in the hearts of those who honestly and sincerely love their native land love it so much that during a terrible war they were proud to offer to die for it or allow their sons to die for it but this is not the time to desert the old ship of state now as never before the united states needs its best blood its best workers its best citizens to put the country back where it belongs it is because i love america so that i do not wish to see her make a complete fool of herself as she is doing every day now and i say it as loudly as i can that these pernicious laws this spirit of verboten is only making the world safe for democracy it was montaigne who said that he was quote, of the opinion that it would be better for us to have no laws at all than to have them in so prodigious numbers as we have and that was how long ago what would he write and think of america if he could live among us to-day and further he said knowing human nature as few of us know it quote, 
there is no man so good who were he to submit all his thoughts and actions to the laws would not deserve hanging ten times in his life yet the silly lawmakers go on with their silly codes piling pelion on top of osa till all sight of man's frailty is lost quote, a little folly is desirable in him that will not be guilty of stupidity end quote. yet the letter of the law must be upheld and the very men who make our statutes continue to break them the joke may go too far the american people may remember that quote, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty end quote, and be willing to watch and wait lest that most precious of all things be taken away from them there can be no disputing the fact that a law that is not enforced is worse than no law at all law and order that is the phrase but america is a country of law and disorder and the worst of it all is that the reformers refuse to stop where they have they are preparing to plunge us into even deeper gloom why should they rest having been so eminently successful already we used to laugh tolerantly at the compulsory military service of the germans under the kaiser but isn't a compulsory seat upon the water wagon just about as autocratic dry country tis of thee should be our national anthem since we are seriously looking for one to take the place of the too difficult to sing star-spangled banner but no the words would not ring true for there is a wetness all around us and the lyric of a national anthem should at least seek to express the ideals and aspirations of a people in terms of truth yet before prohibition who would have thought of picking out america as the wettest of all countries we were just moderately so we had no desire to get a reputation for excessive dampness it is the dries who have given us that reputation against our will and the pity of it is that the tag will remain even after we are sanely and becomingly wet again the reformers wish no going back to even a semblance of the old ways and days they wish us to conform sedately forgetting that emerson once wrote whoso would be a man must be a nonconformist and somehow i go on believing in emerson there was some wild talk not so many months ago that it might become lawful to dispense government approved beer from the soda fountains but sensible people who care for their toddy delectable word were not thrilled they no more wish beer served from soda fountains than they wish soda water served from soda fountains they want their toddy and when they say so firmly oh dear and oh my and this is awful cry the prohibitionists i always somehow get back to that argument of the upholders of the eighteenth amendment to the effect that prohibition is a good thing particularly for the next generation i feel like asking them in absolute seriousness then why not look to the soda fountain when i was a lad we used to drink simple little things like vanilla strawberry and chocolate sodas at five cents apiece and we were happy over harmless lemon and cherry phosphates yet the other day when i chanced to step into a confectionery shop i was nonplussed to hear sophisticated flappers 
what tautology ordering raspberry nut sundaes and banana splits with chocolate sauce and other concoctions which my bewildered brain refuses to remember and when i saw the little silver dishes heaped with these vicious sweets i was horrified gluttony pure and simple and what of dyspepsia and indigestion and complexions after partaking for a few weeks of such stuff does no one care enough for the coming race to do something about it i have seen hulking men enter such a shop at nine in the morning hastily tear off an ice-cream soda containing i know not what flavoring and dash out again into the world of business what must the lining of their stomachs be like no habitual drunkard could show a worse record i imagine and of the two evil-doers i would prefer the latter at least he is human the soda fiend is a sensualist knowing nothing of the healthy ecstasy of comradeship he is a solitary drinker of the worst sort and though he may not stagger out of the place he is certainly unfit to begin his day's work just as unfit as the fool who makes it a practice to take a nip of scotch before breakfast seriously here is a work for the reformers let them investigate the kind of mixtures that are served to our youngsters at soda counters one half of one per cent of raspberry should be all that is permitted a solemn bill should be introduced into the next legislature and carried by an overwhelming majority it is unthinkable that our youth should be exposed to the evils of sundays sold openly all along our avenues and boulevards in every city and town and hamlet it is madness to let this traffic go on and there are not even any swinging doors to hide the sunday fiends shamelessly they imbibe their drinks with the world passing the unshaded windows looking in at them a shocking state of affairs yet who is doing anything about it no wonder little alice of the pale face does not eat much luncheon her mother worries over her anemic condition yet she will not take the time to investigate the child's daily habits she never inquires how she spends her allowance and young bobby who formerly was so rosy and plump deteriorates into a consumptive-looking boy no he doesn't smoke and as yet he has not acquired the hip-flask habit what then is the matter with him that he drops out of baseball and has no heart for tennis that he is backward in his studies and sleeps restlessly on his way to school he stops in at the soda fountain and on his way home he stops in once more surely the government should issue cards and make it a misdemeanor for a clerk to serve more than one soda a week to minors and grown-ups the board of health should do something about it you see if it isn't one thing it's another in this troubled world no sooner do we mop up the saloon than we find other places in need of mopping parents and social workers here is a job for you get at it at once forthwith instanter immediately the future welfare of the race is at stake if it were only ginger pop that the children drank but here again one cannot control the appetites of human beings we have closed the corner saloon is there no way of closing the corner soda fountain 
it is curious in these days when there is so much understanding even among flappers of psychoanalysis and complexes that no one seems to have called attention to the fact that the prohibitionists are the greatest living examples of certain distressing inhibitions that the majority of us should find ourselves suddenly dictated to told literally what we should and should not put into our own little private tummies is beyond belief what does a man who has never taken a drink know of the psychology of drink what does he know of good fellowship of the poetry of the toast of the beauties of bruderschaft i would as soon think of dr mary walker telling romeo and juliet how to make love the set lips of the fanatical reformer are the outward evidence of an interior set of corroding inhibitions unable to get relief from the tedium of existence in say a town like gopher prairie the subject moves in his or her later years to minneapolis or some other larger city and is next heard of as a professional reformer of one sort or another i remember a young man in my class at school who was impossible as a playboy because he always wanted to rule the roost to dictate everlastingly the manner in which any game we sought to enjoy should be played he was never content to be just one of us oh no he must run things order us about be a dictator and a little czar an autocrat of the most unbending kind we despised him he could never fall into line and be boyishly human he could not yield he could not adjust himself to the spirit of fun which we others abandoned ourselves to with youthful ease he was just a common scold he disappeared from our schoolyard and from our lives years later when the war broke out he turned up in a remote town as a shrieking radical nothing was right he had worked out his destiny in the only way such a nature as his could possibly do he wasn't a good sport worse he wasn't even a good citizen he didn't amount to a row of pins he wasn't even worth interning he wasn't interesting enough to get the slightest notoriety he wasn't what the newspapers term good copy and that broke his heart i have no doubt that now with the war over he is a professional prohibitionist or do i mean inhibitionist with a soft job at some desk he would never be happy anywhere but in such a position interfering with normal people's happiness he would be as happy as he could be it is exactly men and women like him who have slipped over some of the laws we now have and who are planning statutes against staying away from church on sunday but it's an old story the intelligent people in every community are forever allowing themselves to be duped by fortune-tellers and ouija-board manipulators table-tippers snake-doctors and bell-tinkling mediums a dog in the manger spirit is in the land i don't like a glass of wine i never tasted the nasty stuff so i don't want you to taste it this is the cry of the paid reformers who eke out a living by taking up some fad and having nothing interesting of their own to reveal peep and eavesdrop and reveal the interesting traits of their innocently jovial and erstwhile happy brothers we have enough complexities in our modern life 
without having the complexes of these would-be and self-constituted evangelists made public day by day of course the natural human being is he who indulges in everything in moderation show me the man who constantly denies himself something and i will show you an abnormal man he becomes obsessed with his goodness as he dares to call it and he cannot talk ten minutes without mentioning his idee fixe he revels in it he gloats over it he delights in it just as the monks of old delighted in the hair-shirt and self-flagellation he thinks he is better than we are soon he begins to preach he is like the old woman who committed a sin in her early youth and still loves to talk about it he does not know how boring he is he does not know how little a part he plays in society he is just a bit off a trifle queer the next step in this form of madness is to try to impose one's own ideas upon one's neighbors soon proselytizing must be done the pent-up energy of years must be released in middle age steam must be let off blood pressure must be reduced if these cases would only lock themselves up in cells and flagellate themselves they would find comfort and release from their agony of mind and a weary world would be grateful but no they must stalk through the land imposing their so-called moral rectitude upon the rest of us good-naturedly we have up to now humoured them smiled tolerantly at them secretly pitied them but with shrewdness and cruelty they have plotted and planned for years quietly banded together until now they are joined in a great brotherhood and instead of locking themselves up they have locked us up and maliciously gleefully thrown away the key we should have been their keepers instead they are ours an occasional little spree as a wise frenchman once said never hurt anybody it is necessary for people of imagination to romp and play once in a while what form that romping and playing takes is their own affair so long as they do not injure their neighbors they may express themselves in terms of smoking of flirting of sitting up all night and talking their heads off or they may take a long walk in the rain or go to the movies for several hours or read an exciting but impossible detective story which is by no means a waste of time or dance or go fishing or attend an elk's picnic or buy their wives a diamond bracelet or indulge in an after-dinner speech or see a foolish musical comedy there are a thousand and one ways to let off steam they come back from any one of these dissipations a hundred percent better in mind and body and plunge into the serious business of life with a fresh stimulus a new zest but the prohibitionist what form do his inhibitions take his orgy is one of complete surrender to an orgy of holding in forever he never lets go never not for one second and just as the hermit enjoys his self-imposed solitude he revels in his self-inflicted punishment and without wishing to be cynical i say that he gets a certain drab satisfaction in this stupid disciplining of himself the remorse of the morning after is unknown to him but without realizing it every morning he experiences a mental hangover 
he has never lived through one normal day the pendulum for him swings completely in the other direction and he is happy only when he is unhappy but and here's where you and i come in he is not content with this exquisite unhappiness he wants us to be unhappy too pathological you see heretofore the temperance people looked upon all drinkers heavy or light as wounded souls medical cases but we who drink and smoke and laugh in moderation are the normal people of the world the others are those who are in need of treatment the tables have been turned thanks to psychoanalysis and freud and the open door that leads to the light of medical science a bunch of sour grapes have robbed us of our sweet grapes why because they could not stand the thought of joy being in the world they want everyone to be as miserable as they are having succeeded so easily in taking away one of our joys do you think these fanatics are content if so you know them not their victory has been accomplished so simply that of course they are now looking about for new worlds to conquer they set their mouths grit their teeth look us over impale us on a pin and see where next they can turn on the screws they have a fiendish delight in inflicting punishment that is part of their disease their suppressed desires find expression in robbing us of our natural pleasure they are cunning and keen and wise with the curious and dangerous wisdom of the insane they think they are sent into the world to redeem it they have the messiah complex they have the delusion of greatness and when we venture to question their methods and motives they hurl invectives back at us and cry you are persecuting us they have paranoia you see they would kill us actually rather than give us one sip of beer and these are the people who have temporarily gained the upper hand mad on one subject they appear perfectly balanced while lobbying in the legislatures of the land obsessed with one idea they can talk intelligently on every other subject but sooner or later they will switch the conversation to their pet theory and then i ask you to note the gleam in their eyes see their lips twitch watch how nervous they become yes pathological cases every one of them when will the hard-shelled prohibitionists understand that it is not drink per se that thinking people are fighting for the people are roused to action and alarm because of the dangerous precedent that has been set if we as a nation are to be deprived of legitimate and friendly eggnog lovely word again when new year comes round why in the name of heaven can we not be deprived of eggs they make one bilious i am told and biliousness is bad for one come let us correct it but having taken away the dangerous egg let us poke about and see what else one can remove ah there it is of course coffee coffee makes one nervous nervousness is awful coffee keeps one awake but why remain awake in a world that has lost its glamour remove our coffee then gladly we permit you to take it for then we can go blissfully to sleep and forget our worries and cares it has been loudly denied that lobbying is being done to bring about the passage of further drastic laws 
but the busybodies are secretly working night and day. The deadly work goes on, unabated. Of course they are not crying their methods from the housetops, sinister voices are burrowing deep, and frightened legislators will be forced to follow the path they took before the Eighteenth Amendment went through. You remember that wonderfully satirical story of Mark Twain's, the man that corrupted Hadleyburg, don't you? And what happened to a town that imposed righteousness upon the inhabitants? All temptation having been beneficently removed, when one little chance came to misbehave, the entire village leaped at it and was thoroughly corrupted. There is some fun in passing a saloon, in going voluntarily on the water wagon, in refusing that extra cocktail, there is none whatever in having someone else do it for you. Our prayers may be dictated to us next, but something tells us that if prohibitionists formulate them, they have no more chance than ours of being heard in heaven. A world made safe for us by reformers is the last kind of world we care to dwell in. For reformers are the kind of people who paint heaven as a stupid city of golden streets and pearly gates, and incessant singing and playing of harps. Well, as Omar said, thy heaven is not mine. Prohibitionists, I am generally sorry for you. You need not pity me, for I shall go on doing as I please despite you, and so will millions of other good Americans. Does that make you frantically desperate? Does that make you have another attack of your symptoms? Do you puff up with rage and despair when you hear me say such things in open defiance of you? Keeper, bring in the straitjacket, and sweep out, as Goldberg says, padded cell number 7894502431. For the pathological ward is overcrowded today. They have just brought in a frightfully red-faced man who believes in the blue laws, and he must have gone quite mad, for he is singing what he claims is the new national anthem, three cheers for the red, white, and blues. End of section 6